Hi, everybody. My name is Brodney. I'm one third of the Ring Kings podcast. Uh, I'm here today to kind of kick off our new series called Sparring Sessions, where we answer some of the more common questions from you know new or casual boxing fans. So today we're going to start it off with, I think, a question that every boxing fan has asked uh, at some point, uh, which is, why are there so many belts? Um, in order to answer that, we want to go back all the way to the 1800s uh, before any of these sanctioning bodies existed uh, to talk about how things were and how champions were determined then. Uh, boxing originally had eight weight classes, uh, flyweight, bantamweight, featherweight, lightweight, welterweight, middleweight, light heavyweight, and of course heavyweight. Um, in the late 19th and early 20th centuries, there was one champion per division. So you had eight world champions and that was it. It was easy for everyone to recognize and understand who the top fighters were. Uh, and in order to become the champion, you had to beat the current champion in the ring. Uh, and this is what's commonly referred to as a lineal championship. Uh, you know, the kind of to be the man, you have to beat the man kind of thing. Uh, the only other time that you could win a title would be if the current champion retired or vacated for, for whatever reason. Um, and then the number one and number two contenders would fight to determine the new champion and start the, the lineage again. Um, the way, in these cases, the way they would determine the top contenders would be either you know through a tournament or a general consensus of, of boxing analysts or even just the previous champion naming the, the top contenders. Uh, as an example, you know, John L. Sullivan out of Boston was the first recognized heavyweight world champion. Uh, his reign began in 1885 when he beat Dominic McCaffrey. Uh, he held on to the belt for about seven years when he lost it to James Corbett. Corbett uh, then lost to Bob Fitzsimmons in 1897 and so on until today where we have Tyson Fury uh, who's recognized as the lineal heavyweight champion of the world. Um, but you know that's where we kind of run into the issue right because Tyson Fury is not the only heavyweight champion. There's also Alexander Usyk who actually holds three of the belts uh, and then there's Daniel Dubois who holds a regular title as well. Uh, so, you know, in addition to there being multiple champions in every division, there are also now 17 weight classes. So obviously, you know, we went from eight to now, uh, as of this recording, there are 55 recognized world champions. And that's not counting uh, interim champions or franchise champions, uh, which would bring them the total number to 59 right now. Uh, so again, the question, how do we go from eight to the possibility of having 80 plus. Well, it started in 1921 with the formation of the National Boxing Association or NBA. Uh, it was formed by officials from 13 different states and the point of it was they wanted to kind of lessen the influence and power that was held by the New York State Athletic Commission who was unwilling to share their power at that time. Uh, they kind of, you know, really ran boxing uh, at, at that point in, in history. Um, and so that's where you see the, the original split. Uh, at times they would recognize different champions in different weight classes. So now we're, you know, we're kind of up to two at that point. Uh, and, that, and it was that way up until the early 60s. Uh, in fact, in 1962, the NBA actually changed its name to the World Boxing Association, uh, just in recognition of boxing growing popularity around the world and, and them wanting to be an international uh, sanctioning body. Uh, but then in 1963, 
11 countries led by Mexico came together and formed the World Boxing Council. Now their intention was to bring together all of the different sanctioning bodies under one umbrella, uh, you know, like the WBA, the European Boxing Union, the British Boxing Board of Control, uh, and you know, other regional uh, sanctioning bodies. Now they did have some success. Uh, forming regional partnerships, but obviously they were not able to unite everyone as planned. Uh, but at this point, you know, the New York State Athletic Commission has kind of, you know, fallen by the wayside. I mean, they still existed, but they didn't have the same kind of power. So we've got the WBA and the WBC as the the major sanctioning bodies uh, for world championships. Uh, again, obviously there were lesser uh, sanctioning bodies that handled kind of regions and, and you know, just individual countries but in terms of worldwide titles it was the wba and the wbc and it remained that way until the early 80s uh, in 1983 robert lee uh, formed the ibf which is the international boxing federation and it's kind of an offshoot of a national boxing uh sanctioning body the usba now the reason i bring up robert lee specifically uh, is because he was running for he was a kind of a vice president of the wba he was running for president he failed and decided i'm out i want to go start my own thing i want to be the president uh, and so he left he formed the ibf and right from the very beginning there were uh corruption allegations uh, there was charges of, of bribery they were being investigated by the fbi uh, different promoters bob aram and others at the time said they had to pay six figures to get their fighters ranked by the ibf and, and you know to get title shots uh, robert lee was acquitted of the bribery charges but he was found guilty of money laundering and tax evasion and was actually sentenced to nearly two years in prison uh, in 2000. Uh, so moving on, a few years later, the final major sanctioning body, the World Boxing Organization, uh, it was founded by a group uh, that was a part of the WBA. And at one of their conventions in Venezuela, there were some disagreements over rule changes. And so several members left and formed the WBO, which brings us up to four. Uh, and these are the four that we have today as the the generally recognized uh, sanctioning bodies when it comes to world titles. There are others, there's the IBO, the WBU, and again, obviously still the uh, sanctioning bodies that handle lower level titles. But in terms of world championships, now we've got the WBA, the WBC, the WBO, and the IBF. So that kind of brings us to the point where we can have the possibility of four world champions in every division. Uh, well, at least four champions because there are other uh, types of titles like the regular title, the franchise title, interim titles, diamond titles, uh, eternal champions, uh, emeritus champions, and we'll go over all that in, a, in a, another video. So to answer the question of why we have all of these uh, different belts and these different sanctioning bodies, I think the, the bodies themselves would tell you it's because of differences of opinion uh, regarding rules uh, and even just the rankings of fighters, how they're ranked. Uh, they would also tell you, hey, you know, having more uh, champions and more title fights generates more interest uh, in, in boxing fans. Uh, you know, you're more likely to watch a fight if you hear that it's a world title fight than just two fighters that you haven't heard of. Uh, unfortunately, I don't really think that's true. I mean, it, it may be a small part of it, but the real answer is it comes down to money. Each uh, sanctioning body charges fees for every title fight 
And, you know, the more titles there are, the more weight divisions there are, the more champions there are, the more title fights you have, uh, the more money they make. Um, you know, there was a report in 2018 stating that Anthony Joshua had paid over a million dollars in fees since he'd become heavyweight champion. You know, some of these uh, sanctioning bodies have kind of set fees that fighters have to pay uh, and others just take a percentage of their purse. So, you know, when you have multiple belts, it really, really adds up pretty quickly. Um, at that time, he was uh, fighting Joshua Parker and he was estimated to have paid over $270,000 in sanctioning fees for that fight alone. Um, and then, you know, like I said, that, that kind of gives you a different perspective as to why they're the super regular interim franchise, et cetera, titles uh, when you look at it through that lens. Um, so yeah, the, I think the, the main reason you know, you do have some ideological differences in terms of the rules and rankings and things like that. Uh, you know, with Robert Lee, it was just kind of ambition run amok, uh, basically. Uh, but the main reason that we have all of these titles is it just it generates money for the sanctioning bodies. And that is kind of the only reason that they really exist is to say, hey, I'm here. I want to make some money, too. I need a, a cut of the pie, basically. Uh, so, yeah, that that's it. We'll, like I said, we'll cover... Uh, the different types of titles in another uh, video as well as what it means to be the unified champion versus the undisputed champion uh, but if you enjoyed the video please make sure to like and subscribe if you haven't already uh, if you're listening to the audio podcast please leave us a five-star review on whatever platform uh, your platform of choice uh, and we'll see you on the next one